The Frozen North, episode 19, our top five funniest games. Woo! <laughs> yuck, yuck, yuck. Hello and welcome to the Frozen North. We're back again for episode 19. Best episode. Best episode thus far, I guess. Yes. Yeah. I'm calling it now. It is actually going to be a great episode. We got we got a lot of uh, great announcements. We got a couple of uh, surprises. And of course, we've uh, got our top five. Absolutely. So it should be a good one. How you doing, Mark? Doing pretty good. All right. As you did can you, tell. Did you know my name's Mark? I, I, I do. I do. <laughs> you you constantly remind me. <laughs> Obviously, uh, Brian is not here again. Unfortunately, he yeah. is on uh, vacation. I can't believe people take vacations. It's ridiculous. It's unacceptable. Right? Even though I just got back from an awesome one. Unacceptable. I'm, I apologize. I'm taking one in June. Where are you going? Going to California for a wedding. Oh, that's right. All right. Cool. All right then. Well, <clears throat> what you been playing, Mark? I have played a little bit of Final Fantasy VII, Bravely Default, and all of The Walking Dead Season 2, Episode 2. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, yeah. Um, You know, nothing new to add, obviously, about Final Fantasy VII. It still is pretty cool. The Walking Dead Season 2, Episode 2 was excellent. It didn't have the same impact as the season finale or the first episode, but it's, you know, yeah. it's a middle episode. It's going to be that way. I, I think going I'm up towards something. I think I'm going to wait until they're all out. That's probably why, which is why what yeah. I did last time. So they're taking on so many projects right now. I'm a little worried. Uh, yeah. You know what though? From what I understand, everything they've been putting out has been great so far. So that's true. You know what? As long as that keeps up, mm-hmm. let them make more projects. So what have you, what have you been playing? <laughs> uh, I have been playing uh, South Park, Stick of Truth. Nice. Hysterical. Hysterical game. Looks uh, like it. The only gripe I have is that there's there's a few bugs, and it's the frame rate kind of mm-hmm. drops a little bit. I'm playing mm-hmm. it on PS3. I can't speak for the PC version. I don't know. Um, but from what I understand, the uh, 360 version has kind of the same yeah. problems. It's not unplayable by any means. It's just a little annoying. Um, but it, if you're a South Park fan, there's nothing that you won't like about this game. It's... It's just hysterical. And the gameplay is honestly pretty solid. Yeah. It, it looks just like you're watching an episode. Yeah. It's incredible. Exactly. It really is. Other than that, I I mean, I'm still chugging away at Bravely Default. I'm grinding just because I want to get all yeah. my jobs up. Nice. And I, I also played a little bit of Final Fantasy VII as well. I uh, spurred you to that? Uh, well. You're feeling a little nostalgic. I mean, honestly, like, there's a couple of games that I will always bust out at least once a year. Final Fantasy VII is one. Right. Um, Final Fantasy VI is one. And sometimes four as well. Those games just always... Those are good games to know. play. Yeah. And Secret of Mana I go back to quite a bit as well. All right. Well, let's get moving. So we've got no emails this week. No emails. No emails. Disappointing. I know. You know, I'm still waiting on those hate mails that they were supposed to write to Brian. I know, right? No joke. For uh, It's like Oden. people like him or something. I know. It's, it's upsetting to me. I know. It's upsetting to me. So, I mean... 
Come on, people. Where's the hate mail? Where is the hate mail for Brian? Uh, <laughs> just for Brian. Just for Brian. That's it. What's next on the list? Uh, next on the list, I see announcements. Announcements. And you've like, only vaguely told me about them. Uh, so I'm excited. Vaguely, huh? Well, I wanted to surprise you. All right. Here we go. We got some big news <laughs> regarding our show and the future. So first thing, we're going to be doing a new format. JJ, what does that mean? What does that mean, JJ? Well, let me first refer back to uh, last episode. We talked about uh, Sean Widmer's podcast. Yes. And how, uh, you know, we, we listened to him. We found out he was listening to the show and gave him a shout out. And I I, I guess, what was it, like the next day, I think, yeah. or something. He put out an episode and he gave us a shout out, which was mm-hmm. awesome. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. But what was funny was that, uh, and I, I had, this whole list was already written before I heard this, but one of the things he said on there was that we only do one episode every two weeks, and he said that wasn't <laughs> enough. Funny you should mention that. That's right, kids. We are going weekly. Woo! Yep. I'm scared. Uh, <laughs> what, does that, what does that mean for you guys? Uh, it means you're going to be getting uh, an episode a week. Fantastic. What does that mean for us? That means... Not not very much for yeah. Brian and Mark, I don't think. They pretty much just need to do the same thing they've been doing. For me, it just means a lot more editing. We're going to be meeting and recording the episodes the same day, two episodes each time, and then I will edit and release them each each week. So they'll be done prior, but you'll see one episode a week steadily, You know, provided I stay on the ball, which hopefully I can do. The thing is, like, obviously we wouldn't be able to do news for two episodes back to back because it'd be the same thing with same thing with like what you've been playing and that kind of stuff or reviews even correct can't be the game a week Uh, well jj might be able to well it's it depends on the game but anyways so the each episode is actually going to be different we're going to be doing a lot of mixing it up it's not going to be the same like we've been doing where it's like okay we hop on emails spotlight top five review done we're going to have an episode like the first of the two weeks we'll have what have you been playing It'll have news, and it'll have our top five list. The second episode, which will be a week later from that, will have emails, uh, a review or reviews, and the bi-weekly question. In addition to that, th- those are the only constants that are going to be on the episode. In addition to those, we're also going to have our other segments like Spotlight. Uh, we got we got one that we're that I just came up with called the uh, the Effin Rant. Nice. Uh, <laughs> there's, I mean, we we got a, a whole bunch of other ideas that are in the works that aren't set in stone yet, but those are going to be a little more randomized. You won't actually see the same ones you know over and over and over again so i mean every Keeping episode will toes. be different yeah every episode will be different which i think is is what we need you know we're, we're always trying to grow and change and uh mm-hmm. we're still extremely young but i think this is a good step to you know making us better for yeah. ourselves and for you guys uh as listeners um in addition to that i i also you know putting it out there if anybody listening has any suggestions for segments you know, something they, they think would be kind of cool for us to do or they want to hear us talk about, whatever. Um, yes, Isaac, we, we know you want us to hear about Xeno, to talk about Xenoblade. <laughs> you know, maybe if you'd write some hate mail to Brian. Yeah, no joke. I'd take him more serious. That's true. <laughs> you, you heard it here first. Write hate mail to Brian, we'll talk about Xenoblade. Yep. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I uh, anything, anything at all, even if it's just like, if it is something like that, like, just talk about this game. You know, we. I want to hear from you guys. Please let us know yeah. anything you can think of because we're always looking to, to improve. We love hearing from you guys. Absolutely. Another thing, uh, this is kind of uh, a small little announcement. I And I know it's short, extremely short notice, but 
next week, if anybody is going to be in the Kansas City area, which is where we're all from, um, there is a uh, convention called NakaCon, which is... Uh, it's it's mostly an anime convention, but they do have a lot of JRPG and uh, video game type stuff that goes on there as well. I'm going to be there next week. If if anybody is on the very small off chance, you know, in town and going to be in that area, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to, to meet some people. So I'll be there. I don't know if I don't think Mark's going to go. Nah, <laughs> you can tell how much pass. thought he's put into it. Uh uh, I, I know Brian expressed some interest a while ago. I'm not sure if he's going to be there or not, though. Um, but I, I will definitely be there. I've already, you know, I, I've, my ticket's already been paid for and stuff. So I would love to hear from anybody that's in the area, and that is going to be uh, around there at that time. Um, and if if you're curious about it, it's NakaCon, N-A-K-A-K-O-N. Um, Wait, there's a dash in there? There is not a, I don't think. Is there not? It's either a dash or a space. Oh, well, there you have it's it. A, oh my, is it that important? I <laughs> you go to google and you type in naka it's the first thing that pops up all right for you because that's tailored searching you're tailored searching. come on learn your google stuff your google is stuffed all right so it's <laughs> really awkward um <laughs> we are uh mark and i have also also been talking about possibly getting a website for the show oh uh, yeah we uh we understand that not a lot of people like i know we try to we plug our facebook page all the time and we try to get all well, that and Twitter. We try to get people involved on both of those, but we also understand that not everybody is big into Facebook, right? Uh, Twitter or social media in general. Brian. So I think, <laughs> Brian, yeah. So I think having a website is uh, probably going to be the next logical step for us, and I'm excited for it. Um, we're really, really in the early stages of planning. Um, we're kind of just tossing out ideas at this point, but uh, we we definitely would like to have one of those eventually yeah so uh just you know stay tuned and uh we'll we'll give you more info in the future on that uh, another thing we are looking for an artist if you if you yourself are an artist or you know one who can uh draw I, I i'm looking for somebody who can do kind of cartoony uh style drawings uh we are trying to get a new logo i mean mark made the one that we have now <laughs> i think like in 15 minutes? No. No? Less than 40 that? minutes. 40? Really? Took me about 40 minutes. That's impressive. Yeah. He had to find the T, the F, and the N keys on his keyboard, <laughs> and that's why it took so long. <laughs> um, but uh, we're, we're looking for a new logo, so if if anybody out there is uh, looking to, you know, we, we'd obviously give you credit for it, and uh, you know, we, we can't pay you. We're not making any money off of this, but if you want to get your work out there and you want to get noticed and, uh, you know, get your name recognized, we'd be yeah. more than happy to... To help you out with that, if you can, you know, show us what you can do. Mm-hmm. Also, and the last thing, we're also looking for a new theme song. It's uh, almost been twenty episodes. We've had the same one, and uh, not that we don't like it, we we love our theme song now. But uh, you know, I think uh, with all the changes we're making, I think this is also another logical step in our development process, as it were. Uh, so you know, if you yourself uh, write music and you think you could write us a good one, or if you can find one that uh, is creative commons or you know one of the, yes. the free attribution licenses deals whatever they're called right send us in that direction let us know let us know uh, if you find something good or if you can write one which would be really cool uh again no money involved just total recognition but again i mean that's one of those things where that would be on every single episode like if you listen all the way through to the end you hear mark plugging the guy who uh the underscore twc that's right who uh, wrote our uh under the stars our yeah under the stars yep 
Uh, somewhere in the stars. Somewhere in the stars. That's it. By underscore TWC. That's it. You know, that, that, that would be your name. Just every episode right there on the back. So, uh, I mean, at least until we change it again, which wouldn't be for a while. Yeah. But so, I mean, just a couple of things to keep in mind. And we'll keep pestering you if you don't tell us this episode. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll keep bringing it up. So that's it. I mean, uh, some some exciting things coming, and I mean, I'm really excited to go to go uh, weekly. It won't be. I will say, next week we will not have an episode. But when Brian comes back, we'll be recording two that day. This is gonna be good. I'm so, excited. Yeah, want to have more opportunities to tweet out to our 37 Twitter followers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get us more Twitter followers, people. Come on now, we gotta we gotta do what we can. Mark Mark is trying his best, but. You know. I'm a Twitter genius. <laughs> <laughs> okay, with that, we will move on over to our news section. So, first up on news, we've got Batman Arkham Knight has been announced. Uh, this will be the last installment of uh, the last installment of what? Man, Brian did the notes, and his English is oh, he did superb. the notes. Yeah, he did. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read you what it what it <laughs> says here. His his little side note. This will be the last installment of Rocksteady Studios makes. Well, when he reads it, <laughs> his mind wanders so much anyway that it comes out as a complete sentence. I, you know what? Yeah, let's try reading it like him. Okay, so. This will be the last insta- installment of Rocksteady <laughs> Studi- <laughs> Studios how that, makes. How does that make you feel, Brian? <laughs> I want to keep doing my crack. <laughs> Accurate. Is that, is that right? he, he doesn't even need to come back. I like Mass Effect. Uh, <laughs> Brian, we love you, buddy. Uh, <laughs> it's so easy to berate him when he's not here. Well, really I mean, didn't the same thing happen to me a couple of Absolutely. months ago? And if I'm never here, you guys can totally make fun no, of me. we will. It won't happen, though. So, Because if I'm not here, there's no show. If you're Suck not here, you can, tweet, you can Skype in, as but, we've proven. Uh, it's true. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Spoilers. I would never Man. spoil. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Arkham Knight, which if you're a fan of the uh, the Arkham series, which, I mean, so many people are, because yeah. from what I understand, there's not a bad game in the series. You I've... said it was a Rocksteady development? Yes. Because I believe the previous one was not Rocksteady, so that's good. Yeah. And uh, if I remember correctly, the city's going to be three times the size of the one in uh, Arkham City. It's He says it looks like it's been announced uh, officially for PS4, Xbox One. Uh, on PC and is scheduled for release worldwide in 2014. So, nice. you know, if you're a fan of the Arkham series, get ready because it's coming. Uh, next on the list, Sony has sold six million PS4s. It's pretty impressive. That is incredible. Six million units have been sold since the console's launch on November 15, 2003. Sony has also stated that over 90% of PS4s in the United States are online and have more than embraced the console's social functionality. That's excellent news. Fantastic, especially if you're a Sony fan. Yeah. so Not so good for Microsoft. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I haven't seen any notes. or uh, Well, know, they're not going to say anything. They're them. not winning. That's true, I guess. But, they're, uh, I mean, pretty much everybody I know has a freaking Xbox One. Yeah. So, really? Yeah. I mean, most of the people that I don't like are getting them. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. I, I Inside joke. I only said that because Mark said he's getting one. <laughs> oh. Is that what you meant? Oh, yes, come on. that is what you didn't ca- Man, uh, I'm on autopilot. You know wee- that. In every episode, I'm always on autopilot. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Maybe if I put it in paragraph form. There you go. Uh, all right. So, other than that, um, yes, I saw this one the other day. Uncharted. The Uncharted writer and director, Amy Hennig, departs Naughty Dog. I guess she uh, she's the one that wrote and directed uh, Naughty Dog's Uncharted, Uncharted 2, and 3. Uh, she left the studio. 
Wow. I have heard nothing but good things about that series. I own one and two. I haven't played uh, any of them yet, but I own them, and I yeah. really want to check them out. And I've played some of one, and I had some issues with the gameplay, but the plot seems really good. Yeah. Brian, I mean, Brian loves them. He raves yeah. about them all the time. So that's, I mean, whether that's good or bad, I guess only time will tell. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. Uh, another game that we've talked about before, Dust, an Elysian Tale, uh, surpasses 1 million units sold. That is pretty impressive. Uh, it's a, you know, small developer, small game. Yeah, indie and game. 1 million units, you know. Mm-hmm. The last time I heard, I mean, obviously Minecraft is another one that comes to mind that a long time ago hit that mark, but yeah. and it's way beyond that now. Of but, course, yeah. I mean, game it's like this. It's always good to hear. Yeah, game like this, you really don't, you don't see that often hit that mark. <laughs> I should skip the next one. Why is that? See what it says? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that to Brian. The Mass Effect trilogy could get remastered on PS4 and the Xbox One. Brian is excited. <laughs> I think that's about all we have to say. I'm a little confused. What do you mean? Because I thought the games looked great as they are. I agree. But this isn't like remastering uh, Kingdom Hearts 1. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're going to remaster uh Halo 4 to make it look better. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, I I don't uh, I don't know. I don't know, it'll sell. That's all that's it, all that matters. It's weird to me too, but and I I honestly probably won't get it, but mm-hmm. uh, you know Brian's going to be all over it. Of course. So uh yeah, if you're a Mass Effect fan, that's something to look forward to, hopefully if they do it. It doesn't look like it's it's 100% confirmed, but uh those are the rumors. And last thing, Oculus Rift, apparently uh, they were playing Metroid Prime on it, which is kind of cool. If you go to Kotaku, the, uh, uh, there's a video there that is I would, up on the site. I would be so excited if I knew when the Oculus Rift was going to come out. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, that would be very cool. You've played it, though, haven't you? I've I've played with one, yeah. You've done the, uh, the uh, whatchamacallit? I had about 10 to 15 minutes with uh, Half-Life 2. With the Oculus Rift. It was really impressive. It was one of the developer models, so it's low res. There's obviously issues with that. But really stupid, simple things are incredible with full 3D. Like looking at a shelf and yeah. seeing a bottle on it and seeing that you, could, you feel like you could touch the bottle. Seriously? Yeah. Ugh, I really want to try it. It sounds awesome. Something you just got to try. It's not really possible to explain it. I can imagine. Yeah, definitely. Uh, all right, then. That is that is pretty much it for news. We kind of we, we have a lot to cover today, so we kind of tried to keep it short and sweet. So thanks, Brian, wherever you may be. Uh, and that's it. Yes, Brian. Next on the list. If you remember back in that episode, I believe 16, was it? Yes, I think that's we, correct. Uh, we reviewed and talked about uh, Suikoden 1. Amazing game, great game. Even, even converted Brian, the uh, JRPG not-so-lover, into a into a liker of the series. Mm-hmm. We also mentioned in our spotlight of that segment, the uh, Suikoden revival movement. That's right. Which they are, you know, a, a uh, just a, a, not a small group of people. They were, <laughs> they started out as one, but yeah. now they've, they've grown to immense proportions and they're just continually growing. Mm-hmm. And they're basically trying to do it. Well, do a number of things, trying to get the recognition for the series out, trying to get, uh, you know, releases on PlayStation um, network, PlayStation network. And, uh, Eventually, you know, the main goal is to uh, hopefully see the continuation of this, the main series. That would be incredible. So Mark and I actually were able to uh, get in contact with uh, the admins from the group, and we were able to have a nice little interview with uh, one of them. So we're going to go ahead and pop that on right now. 
All right, we're here with Ryan from the Suikoden Revival Movement. Ryan, good to have you on the show, man. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Uh, we're just going to run a couple of questions by you, fire back at us with everything you got. We want as much info as we can get out of your uh, out of your little program. It's, well, I guess not little anymore, huh? It's pretty yeah, pretty incredible. It's blown up. <laughs> right. Mark, we're, we're going to go ahead and switch off between Mark and I asking questions. He's going to start, and then uh, we'll go from there. All right. So for gamers who may not have experience with Sukoden, can you describe what makes these games special among RPGs? Well, that's a long list. Uh, you guys say you want you want as much content as possible. Well, I could be here. I could be here all day, like literally talking about every little thing. But, Absolutely. Um, I think for Sukoden, what to me really makes it special is uh, is not is the story in general, but also just how. Um, well crafted the universe of Suikoden is and how well thought out it is on a conceptual level right like um let's let's break this down and take a look at how it differs from kind of more modern and western rpgs mm -hmm. uh for example take skyrim uh in skyrim you know you were this uh individual who gained this enormous world shaping kind of power and then used that power as you saw fit uh, within the context of the game Suikoden's much different in the sense that uh, it's more about a group of people coming together. And instead of emphasizing the power of the individual, it emphasizes kind of the power of unity and uh, coming together. Uh, so uh, the heroes of the Suikoden series don't necessarily themselves... Uh, gain any kind of massive world-changing power like the protagonist from Skyrim, but uh, the power is realized, uh, the power to change the world essentially is realized through uniting the 108 stars of destiny, quote-unquote, and um, bringing different people together from all sorts of different backgrounds and working together for a common goal. Uh, in Suikoden, one of the, one of the, some of the most interesting characters and one of the most interesting things about the game is the way that uh, they bring in characters like, say, merchants, uh, musicians, people who don't really have battlefield experience and mm -hmm. aren't, you know, uber-masculine powerhouses, but uh, have their own unique contribution to the army and to what's going on in the society. And that, to me, really speaks volumes about... You know the the uh, the design philosophy and the writing philosophy behind Suikoden uh, really sets it out from from you know the more modern uh, power fantasy games, right? Absolutely. I I think what's one and you know just to kind of touch on that is one of the amazing things is that I mean you see so so many of these games that do focus on character development, but they focus on such a small amount. Suikoden has always done it with i mean like you said 108 stars of destiny how many games can boast 108 you know essentially <laughs> main characters that each have yeah. their own thing to contribute to you know the uh the whole main part of the story it's it's incredible mm -hmm. yeah exactly uh one of my favorite characters from suikoden 3 was um <clears throat> was mel uh the puppeteer right she was she would never even be considered for you know a standard modern AAA game because she was kind of insane, right? She had this puppet on her hand yep. that she would constantly talk to, and even the other characters in the game were just like, "Oh, this this 
girl is pretty much just <laughs> crazy. She's insane. And the puppet would always make lewd comments about her as well. Mm-hmm. It was really kind of hilarious. Um, but even a character like that where, you know, in another game it would be kind of a throwaway character in Suikoden, it's very interesting. She's very interesting. She's well well established and well written. And you just, you, you know, I think that as we move towards like uh, the singular hero and it's kind of as a powerhouse, uh, we tend to, we also tend to make them more generic, right? Because we want the player to project themselves onto that character as they're playing. Mm-hmm. Whereas something with a multitude of characters like, say, Sui Koden, you can really get out there artistically and you can, you can make some very odd characters without having to worry about uh, someone not liking them. Because if someone doesn't like that particular character, then they've got, you know, 107 other characters to choose from. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. 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 What's what's funny is our our third host that we have on the show who is he's actually on vacation right now but uh he had never played a Suikoden game uh before we had him play through the first one a few weeks ago. He ended up loving it um because he, yeah. he you know which was funny cuz he always makes fun of, you know, us for ma- liking JRPGs. Yeah. But then he played it and he was like, <laughs> "Uh yeah, all right, yeah, it was good." So, but uh, like one of his biggest gripes was he said there were too many characters, which I really hated when he said that. <laughs> I couldn't stand it. But and like, and I'm I'm trying to address to him like, you really, I mean, playing the first game is great, but honestly, unless you c- continue the story and playing the other ones, and you see some of the uh, the repeat characters in there, yeah. you're like, oh my gosh, I remember this yeah. person from that one and stuff, and you get a more. I mean, yes, they are not fully full on direct sequels, but they all take place in the same world and do have the same characters and the implications. Correct. Follow through in the games. Yeah, which it's is awesome. I think that's better to be honest than just seeing a continuation of the same exact, uh, you know, one main character, the next game up. Yeah, I, you know, I it's just it really yeah. has done some amazing things. Yeah, it really is, and uh, not to uh, be too critical of Western RPGs. I actually really liked Skyrim, for example. Um, but one thing I think that's really odd here in America is we we create this false dichotomy between the Japanese role-playing game and the Western role-playing game, when in, when in fact that's just not true. Uh, if you ask many Western RPGers what, their, what one of their favorite stories is in a Western RPG, many will say Deus Ex for the PC. Um, Deus Ex was released in 2000, uh, directed and written by Warren Spector, uh, well, legendary developer Warren Spector. Oh, yeah. uh, his favorite game of all time is Suikoden 1. And Suikoden wow. 1 was one of the major influences on Deus Ex and, um, you know, really showed Warren what he wanted to do, or what he could do with storytelling in games. Oh, wow. I and so, didn't know that. you know, the, the, the dichotomy between the Western RPG and the uh, Japanese role-playing game really isn't as harsh as a lot of people make it out to be, in fact. Yeah. So. That makes sense. All right, well, uh, we'll move on. Uh, the Suikoden Revival Movement has been featured on Destructoid, official PlayStation Magazine UK, and most recently an article in Konami's UK website. How did you all come together to, f- to form this movement? Uh, well, that's a long story. Um, <laughs> we're from all over the world. Um, we have three original administrators. There's myself uh, and Chris, who lives in Edinburgh, Scotland, and Matze, who lives in uh, Germany. So we're truly a worldwide movement. Um, We met, I met Chris years and years ago, and we've been friends for a long time. And we had been working behind the scenes 
uh, to talk to Konami, talk to former Konami employees and people who've worked on Suicoden projects before, uh, and kind of get their ideas for how we can move forward with the series. But this was all behind the scenes. Um, and eventually we got kind of to a dead end where uh, talking to Konami employees, most of them would just tell us to move up the chain to the production teams and to the executives. Um, but unfortunately, it was much, much harder to get in touch with those executives than I it can was imagine. Uh, yeah. individual, individual employees. So we hit kind of a brick wall, and after talking about it for a while, um, we decided to go public with the movement and uh, to to essentially let our voice be heard by Konami in a more public sense. Uh, and that was a year and a half ago, uh, you know, the end of July uh, 2012. And uh, since then, we've grown. We've added another uh, administrator, uh, Dan, who's from San Francisco. Uh, but we have people from all over the world. And this is something that could really only happen, you know, in the modern Internet age, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Because uh, you know, 20 years ago, Chris and I would never have met. But nowadays... You know, it's uh, it's uh, it's interesting to see, and I've met I've met some people who, through the SRM, I've met some people who've actually taught themselves English in order to play the Sui Koden games. Oh wow! Right, like that's that's how big of fans they are. Is that's that commitment? You know, they had a they had a base working knowledge of English and then uh, brushed up on it in order to play the Sui Koden games. It's really interesting. Very cool. Yeah. All right, uh, question three here. Uh, how would you describe your opinion of the state of modern JRPGs? Terrible. <laughs> uh, just just as blankly and as bluntly as possible, I will, sweet. I will say terrible. Um, <laughs> not, that, not that I hate JRPGs. I love them to death. Um, but, I mean, have you guys played Lightning Returns yet? I, I haven't. I have it uh, ordered. It should be here in the next... Well, actually, I it see. should be coming in as soon as... Uh, 10 and 10 2 HD are released because I got them all together. Um, I, I'm sorry. Really. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I kid, of course. But um, look, uh, JRPGs, much like the modern shooter, right? You know, which started off kind of great with you know things like Doom and Half Life. Oh yeah, they've really lost their way in in this in this current generation. And there are a lot of factors that that caused this. I mean, for example. Uh, in 2008, when the stock market crashed, most people don't know this, but it actually hurt Japan rather rather much more than it hurt the U.S. in terms of their economy, as well as the 2011 tsunami and mm-hmm. quake, yeah. uh, which was a tremendous catastrophe in Japan. So there are all sorts of outside influences that are influencing uh, the JRPG market right now, uh, you know, from economics and natural disasters to just the rising cost of video game development and production as we move into 720 progressive and 1080 progressive resolutions, right? That's just that much more expensive to do. Yeah. Um, but internally, in terms of what's going on with the artistic side of the JRPG, um, they tend to rather oddly be enslaved to their own tropes and cliches, or B, they tend to defy them and... I, I don't know, go off the deep end, I suppose, is one way to say it, mm-hmm. with Final Fantasy XIII. Um, now, I didn't really like Final Fantasy XIII. A lot of people I know really did like it. <laughs> it was really uh, controversial and oh yeah, 
Understatement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, controversial game to say the least. But they've gotten away from the complex characters and storytelling and imaginative storytelling that I feel really made RPGs great, like obviously Sudokoden, but also games like Earthbound, uh, Final Fantasy VI, you know. Definitely. And they've gotten more into the singular hero uh, who really looks cool when they're standing on a gothic roof- rooftop in a lightning storm. <laughs> right. Yep. You know, they've they've become enamored with their own visual styles as opposed to the more internal uh, artistic styles and, you know, things like just good writing, good characters, imaginative worlds, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah, I, I agree 150%. I mean, it, it just seems like, like when Final Fantasy 13 came out, I, I'm a huge, I love the Final Fantasy series. I grew up with, you yeah. know, four and six and the old yeah, ones. Yeah, so do I. Um, but 13 came out and literally like I played it, I played it all the way through, gave it a chance. But then when people asked me what I liked about it, I was like, well, the graphics look nice. And honestly, that was like the main thing I could think of rather than because yeah. it did not it's feel like sign. the older games at all. You know, yeah. it, it didn't take me back to, you know, how I felt back then when I played like the one the first time I played six. Oh, my gosh, I was blown away. And I mean, that's yeah. a Super Nintendo game you, that doesn't look anywhere near what there is now. And it's it. I don't know. It's it's disappointing, to be honest. Oh, yeah, very disappointing, and I know that there are a lot of people that share our opinion on that, too. Sure, and there's people who like it, too, and I'm not not knocking that at all, but I think for most of us that especially came from the age when, you know, all these things were brand new and stuff, it, I don't know, it feels like the experience keeps getting more and more cheapened, I guess is the best way to say it, Mm -hmm. just because they they take out what we loved so much about it to try and do new things, but like you said, it doesn't always work. Yeah, and, you know, it's interesting, too, that um, this coincides kind of with the the increase in 3D uh, graphics processing and um, that we would have, you know, a marked decline in storytelling, almost almost inversely, inversely proportionate to, you know, how photorealistic our, our graphics have become. And it's I – can't, I can't think that that's a coincidence, unfortunately – Right. Yeah. It's not the it's not the only factor at play here, but I can't think that it's a coincidence, and it's really tremendously unfortunate. Uh, let me tell you a little personal story about Final Fantasy Thirteen. I bought the game, uh, and I was in college at the time. I bought the game, uh, and unfortunately, my dad suffered a mild heart attack right right when the game was coming out. Uh, you don't need to worry; he's he's fine right now. But when I was playing Final Fantasy Thirteen, mostly what I was doing is I was either studying for college. Or I was visiting my dad, uh, who had to have bypass surgery. Yeah. Um, and really, I was tremendously stressed out, as you can imagine, uh, during this time in my yeah. life. Um, and really, when I was playing Final Fantasy XIII, I really just used it as an escape from you know the stress of everyday life, obviously. And in that sense, in order for me to think that Final Fantasy XIII was a good game, all it had to do was just fulfill role of stress relief for me at the time but even then i was playing through the game uh and it still didn't work as as a method of stress relief or uh escape from all from all the bad things that were going on in my life at the time and that really speaks to how how disappointing that game was uh in terms of uh in terms of its storytelling um i remember there's one scene in final fantasy 13 where the main character lightning 
actually gives a combat knife to another character named Hope, knowing that this character named Hope uh, is going to try to use it to kill <laughs> her her sister's fiance, yep. <laughs> right? And it doesn't make any sense in terms of character, in terms of plot, in terms of just basic logic or prudence. It doesn't make any sense at all. And it's just in there to make Lightning seem like a cool person rather than developing her as an actual character. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, moving moving back on to uh, Suikoden here. Do you have any insight or guesses into Konami's reluctance to bring Suikoden 1 to PSN in Europe or Suikoden 2 anywhere? (laughs) <laughs> well, um, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> it's difficult to really say at this point because, and I'll, I'll need to say right off the bat that I don't have any inside information with you know Konami employees or anything like that on sure. this subject. Um, but Konami is a is a very, I don't want to say troubled company, but it's a very um, fractured company right now. Um, for the most part, the AAA aspects of Konami are focusing solely on Metal Gear and on uh, Castlevania right now, which is understandable. I mean, they make the most money. Um, But ever since, I believe it was 2003, or no, 2004, uh, when Konami moved from its more centralized location in Japan to more of a holding company, right, where each individual uh, aspect of the company has large amounts of autonomy, uh, things have been a little bit more um, – they, they've really lacked a vision moving forward from, say, 2004 or so. Yeah. Um, and so what happens essentially with things like you know the PSN, the PlayStation Network, and other digital download services, even like Steam, uh, is they kind of get pushed aside uh, because they don't have an overarching – uh, plan to address things like this, especially for their older games, uh, what Konami feels is their less important titles, like Suikoden. So, there's that, and then also um, it's not necessarily that they're reluctant, it's just the fact that they have a they lack an, uh, a real plan to release a lot of their older games on these digital distribution networks. Um, and this goes for Nintendo as well. I mean, Nintendo has a few uh, on their virtual console. They have games like, say, Castlevania Mm Four, but games from the N64 era and later, they don't really really have much uh, in terms of Konami games. So essentially what's necessary for Konami to release Suikoden 2, I feel at this point, is to you know, appoint essentially a manager for their digital distribution networks and their classic releases. And that will help get, obviously, Suikoden 2, but also Suikoden 1 in the European PAL region uh, released on PSN, Um, as well as other titles. I mean, for example, I would love to see Rocket Knight uh, re-released digitally as well. (laughs) I I love Rocket Knight, yeah. Unfortunately, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles we might not see because Ubisoft now has the... They essentially bought out the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles (laughs) contract from Konami, so... yeah. Yeah, more or less, we're probably not going to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles anytime soon. But other games like, you know, Rocket Knight, uh, Castlevania, stuff like that, and Suikoden as well. Um, Another thing uh, as to why Konami wouldn't release 
is or is having trouble releasing Suikoden 2 on the PSN is the future of the PSN itself. Um, the, for the PS4, uh, Sony has made it quite clear that it's mostly going to be streaming capable. And as such, the future of the PSN is kind of in flux, right? They don't want to pay a bunch of money and get Suikoden 2 released only to have the PSN shut down, say, two or three years later. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, yeah. Right. So there's that as well. And Sony has uh, had some language where they've said that they're going to try to release their entirety of the PS1 library via streaming over their Gikai service. Um, but we don't know if that's actually going to happen yet. That might just be corporate propaganda to help sell the PS4. Or it might be something that they intend to do fully, but just doesn't work out in the end. So, well, well, the, everything's really, really in flux right now with the switch and switch and generations. Um, though one of the things we're going to take up here on the SRM real soon is getting uh, Suikoden two and Suikoden one released on Steam and good old games and various other platforms that would like be awesome. that as well. Oh, yeah! Wow. Yeah. I hate to bring this up, but do you uh, do you think the shoddy English translation for Suikoden 2 is any sort of uh, roadblock? <laughs> um, that might be true, uh, actually. For one thing, I actually love uh, mis- the misquotes and mistranslations <laughs> in the original Suikoden 1 and 2. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think they're hilarious. All of this killing in front of a children. There's just nothing... There's just nothing like that. It's the old Spoonie Bard thing from mm-hmm. Final oh, Fantasy yeah. II. Um, I love it, for example, but it is somewhat embarrassing, let's be honest. So that might be a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that is a problem, we're probably going to find out sooner or later, and I and the SRM can offer our services in that regard. Honestly. Officially with Katami. So. Yeah, and honestly, I mean... It is it is kind of a gripe, but it's a small gripe. You and anybody who's actually yeah, anybody who's played the game is like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's there, whatever. <laughs> yeah, um, we do have we do have writers. I, for example, have my degree in literature and creative writing, um, and I'm actually a published author as well. Um, but and I would be more than willing to lend my services to Konami, you know, to awesome. and the SRM too to help with that if that's really a problem. There is one issue though in that the PSN. For PSN releases currently, the game must be completely unaltered from its original PlayStation 1 release, which is kind of odd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know uh, that. I, I, I can understand them go- wanting to, you know, prevent revisionist history and all that stuff. Right. But things like translations, things like missing trademarks and registered symbols, are, you can go back and, and change those if you want to. It's fine. Hmm. The uh, two most recent entries, Suikoden Tearchris and Genso Suikoden Sumergeru... Hold on. <laughs> JJ forced <laughs> me to take this question. Uh, oh, there you go. Uh, all it. right. <laughs> uh, that, that is my shame to bear. Uh, take place within the alternate million-world multiverse. It's safe to say most fans would prefer a return to the original continuity. Uh, how does the Suikoden revival movement feel about these games? <laughs> well, most fans certainly would. Uh, I remember when uh, the latest, uh, the PSP Suikoden is usually what we call it because it was on the PSP. <laughs> um, when that was released, there was a huge uh, backlash because it was set in the multiverse and mm-hmm. not in the more traditional, what we call the Murayama universe, the original creator of the series, Yoshitaka Murayama. Mm-hmm. Um, 
most fans certainly want to return. There's no doubt about that. Um, but also, one of the things that's often overlooked, I think, with these multiverse games is that they tend to bring in new fans uh, quite well, who then retroactively go back and play the old games mm-hmm. and then become you know, huge, huge members of our movement and huge fans of the games. Um, for example, I know a lot of people whose first game was the DS game, was, uh, you know, Terror Christ, the DS game. Uh, and they really liked it. And then they went back and played the older games and they were just blown away as to how good they were, you know? So overall, as the SRM itself, we can't really have an official, it's difficult for us to have an official, uh, perspective on this other than just to say, we would most certainly prefer to have uh, a move back to the Murayama universe, even if Yoshitaka Murayama is no longer involved. Um, but at the same time, you know, we don't want to insult or um, or ostracize anyone who really loves these games. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. and that's perfectly fine. Definitely. All right, we got we got a tough one for you here. Okay. Which is your favorite Suikoden game and why? You know, if I had children, you would probably ask me which one was my favorite. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, um, I would probably say Suikoden 2 just overall because that came right at the right time as well. Uh, not only is the writing superb uh, but and the characterization, but it also came right after Final Fantasy VIII which to me was a huge disappointment uh, in terms of the Final Fantasy series, you know. I agree. Because you'd gone from Final Fantasy VI, which was great, to Final Fantasy VII and then Final Fantasy Tactics. And then eight really kind of started what we talked about earlier with um, the the emphasis on form over function uh, in JRPGs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then Suicoden 2 was released, and it's exactly the opposite. Uh, it... it emphasizes its brilliant artistry over any kind of, you know, base graphics or uh, quote-unquote cool storytelling. Um, And that really makes it very special for me. You know, one of the interesting things, um, knowing what I know and being maybe a little bit older than most video game players nowadays, um, is that once you meet someone who is truly cool or who is truly badass, um, they don't really have to act like they are really cool or really badass because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> they're, they're free of that because they just truly are intrinsically. And I think Sui Koden is like that. Whereas, you know, a whole bunch of other games are trying to act like they, like they are cool or like they are a uh, badass quote unquote. Absolutely. Um, but in reality, you know, Sui Koden just is amazing. And it, it doesn't, uh, Heard it to have a an incredible villain like Luca Blight in there too. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, definitely, probably my favorite villain of all time. I mean, he's, you know, going back to what we were talking about about what makes Suicoden different is um, the Luca Blight is a great example of what makes Suicoden different because he is a brilliant and powerful uh, villain, but he's also a product of, you know, more or less quote-unquote, realistic psychological forces. I mean, he um, he was traumatized at a very young age when he was kidnapped by bandits 
you know, and his father essentially abandoned him and his mother for dead. Uh, and eventually they escaped and came back to the kingdom where, um, where he became prince. And ever since that time, his motivations throughout Suikoden 2 are really just vengeance against the nation that the bandits were from and also his father, mm-hmm. the king, who had abandoned him and was weak and cowardly, right? And that's why he wants to unite the two nations, the two major nations in Suikoden 2 and remake them in his image. Yeah, he, I mean, one of our, one of our, uh, shticks that we do on the show is we, we try to do top five lists every episode. And one of our earliest episodes was, uh, we talked about doing our, our top five villains. And I mean, Mark and I looked at each other right at the beginning. We were like, look, like, <laughs> hands down. <laughs> I mean, there's just, just nobody is, he made you want to just get to him and beat him down just because mm-hmm. of the things he did. It was unbelievable. But the fact yeah. that he's got that incredible backstory behind him and you get to see that, like, like you just explained the whole, the, the psychological reasons for the things that he did. Yeah. Um, I mean, it humanizes him, but at the same time, it's like, dude. Well, it makes him real. Yeah, but he's still, you got to put him down. Yeah. <laughs> Simple as yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. I love it. I mean, in literature, we refer to this kind of as the post-Freudian antagonist is what it is, essentially, that, um, you know, instead of bad people just being bad because they're bad and having that kind of circular logic, you know, what you do is you create a well, I hate to use the term again, but more or less realistic backstory for them and psychology for them. And, you know, you show how uh, true evil, quote unquote, is actually created in society rather than just, you know, blankly saying that it needs to be, you know, wiped out. Mm-hmm, definitely. It's very interesting. And that's something that we're still, unfortunately, embracing in, in many uh, modern games. I recently built a computer and I got Battlefield 4 uh, for free when I bought my motherboard and well it wasn't completely terrible but unfortunately <laughs> in terms of in terms of the storytelling you know the bad guy is very much the bad guy because he's bad yeah. and evil right yeah. <laughs> there's there's literally nothing interesting there about him at all in that story whereas you know in Sui Koden you know, it's tremendously interesting absolutely the uh, Suikoden revival movement has ballooned from 1,000 followers last January to well over 20,000 followers at present. Uh, what's up next for the movement? Oh, that's a tough. That's a tough question. Um, we're working on a number of things. Some things we're ready to uh, make public, and some things that we're not ready to make public right now. Um, we are looking for some more administrators to help us out with. Uh, you know, the day-to-day operations of the Suicoden Revival Movement and um, uh, keeping keeping our followers on Facebook engaged and things like that. Um, right now, we are still continuing with trying to contact uh, Yoshitaka Murayama, uh, the original creator of the series, uh, as well as uh, Konami executives and things like that, and trying to do things like interviews and get some feedback from them about what we can do to move the series forward, right? In terms of both getting Suicoden 2 onto the PSN and uh, potentially new games in the series as well. Uh, So we're continuing to do that. We're also trying to get in touch with um, people in the industry uh, outside of Konami, uh, various writers and critics and things like that uh, to 
to help us understand, you know, exactly what's going on with the industry and also come up with a, a workable financial scheme for any potential new Suicoden games that would effect, effectively budget the game uh, so that it could be made and uh, have various goals in terms of sales and in terms of uh, fan reaction as well. So we're working on those things. Um, we're also working on... Um, uh, let's see, we're, we're also working on uh, Suikoden Day as well, all, because I don't know if you guys know what Suikoden Day is, yep. um, but it's, it's, a, it's, a Facebook, it's a Facebook event, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, where people from all over the world can you know, kind of just come in and, uh, and share their love of Suikoden. Uh, one of the founders of Suikoden Day is also one of the founders of the SRM, uh, Chris from Edinburgh, Scotland. Um, we've kind of moved, we've kind of separated ourselves from Sui Coden Day a little bit uh, in the SRM because it's a lot of work, right, to do both <laughs> at once. Um, but we still, we still have contact with the current administrators of Sui Coden Day and we still uh, feed, feed some ideas off of them as well. So those are the things that are on the immediate table in terms of... Um, in terms of what's going on, we are also, uh, for the more long-term, we're, we're setting up Twitter campaigns as well as mail-in and writing campaigns um, and Facebook campaigns uh, to, you know, let Konami know, again, that uh, we that we are very serious about wanting uh, Suicoden 2 on the PSN. And also we're very concerned about uh, the future of the series as well. And we're not going to really just let it go or die off into the night because this is our our favorite game series or one of our yep. favorite game series. So. And to be honest, you guys have come so far now. I mean, it'd be a shame to just you know quit at this <laughs> yes. point. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, and a lot of that has to do, you mentioned uh, before in the second question about Destructoid and official PlayStation Magazine and all that. Um, we really have to give a lot of credit to uh, people like Jason Schreier at Kotaku and uh, Jim Sterling at Destructoid and now with the Escapist magazine and people at the official PlayStation UK, things like that, who've been tremendously supportive of us uh, over over the past year and a half. Uh, but one another thing that kind of speaks to Sui Koden too is, is how many people in the industry uh, who either make games or are games journalists now are huge fans of the series. Uh, Jason Schreier at Kotaku, it's his Suikoden 2 is probably his favorite game of all time. Uh, Dale North, the editor-in-chief of Destructoid, uh, listed it as one of his favorite games of all time and also one of his games that seriously needs to be revived as well. So I guess I guess it just goes to show that uh, Suikoden fan base really is the most intelligent, talented, and handsome fan base of all, I guess. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right, I uh, I think that about wraps it up. Do you have anything else that you want to uh, anything you want to plug? Anything you want to say? Uh, we are uh, getting ready for uh, an intensive Twitter campaign soon, so please check with us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Suicut and Revival uh, for more details on that. And we'd really like to get our Twitter numbers up to you know the point where. The, where they can at least compete with the Facebook numbers as well and uh, get the word out to, to, uh, to Konami that we're really just not going to go away. You know, you, you can't <laughs> appease us just by saying, well, we don't have any news about Suikoden. Yeah. Well, 
I'm afraid that's not that's not going to work, right? So join in with that, and also uh, to keep updated, we have some very interesting things coming up. I assure you, uh, especially in terms of uh, strategic parts of the movement, and also in terms of interviews with uh, some really interesting people as well throughout the industry. So I think it's going to be well worth well worth your time to come and check us out or get back in touch with us too. Excellent. That is, that is incredible to hear. Yeah. Well, I like I said, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, we appreciate your time, Ryan. Thank you so much for uh, sitting with us and talking to us about just an unbelievable series. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. I mean, like, I, I, I can talk about Suikoden all day and any... <laughs> Any opportunity I have to just you know sit down and talk about Sui Koden is is wonderful. I love it. So, Very yeah, cool. don't don't be afraid to ask me back either if you guys want. If you guys want, uh, if you guys want me back, um, mm-hmm. so I, don't well, worry about it. I mean, we we plan on uh, doing uh, a review of Sui Koden two here in the next few months. So, yep, yeah, that sounds great, guys. Well, thanks. All right, man. Appreciate it again. Thank you so much. All right, and we're back. Again, Ryan, thank you so much for uh, for your time, and uh, thank you for being a part of such an yeah. incredible organization. Keep up the good work, man. Absolutely. I it, really want to see some more of those games. It is amazing the things that they have done, and not only the things they've done, but in such a short time. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and, you know, if you haven't, uh, if you haven't already gone to their page uh, on Facebook and looked at it, definitely, definitely go check them out. That's facebook.com slash revival. Give them a like. Hop in on the conversations because there's always talk going on over there, and uh, it's it's just a. Even if you're not a fan of the series and you're curious, you go there and you see how passionate these people are. Yeah. Or I mean, you play one of them. Like we've said before, it's on it's on PSN. You play one of them and you will be converted. Guarantee Absolutely. it. Absolutely. It is an incredible experience. You know what? Check out their Twitter as well. He mentioned he's trying to get more people on there. Yes. So. Absolutely. Check out their Twitter as well. You can. Uh, you can find them on our Twitter page, or they are at Sweet Code and Revival. So check them out on Twitter as well. Absolutely. All right. JJ, let me ask you a question. What's that, Mark? When was the last time you played an RPG where you are the chosen hero, foretold by prophecy to venture on a quest to kill dragons, challenge gods, and ultimately save the world from utter destruction? I'm guessing it was probably the last one you played. <laughs> That's a quote that I modified slightly from the Kickstarter page of Celestian Tales Old North. Was that the last game you played? Actually, no. Oh, stop ruining my uh, segment here. Last ruining game the played, segment. Last game I played was South Park Stick of Truth. You really can't You're saving to. South Park, I bet. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so this is... Uh, this if, is... if your little quote in there says anything about Nazi zombies, then yeah, there's some okay. comparison. But sure. Yeah. <laughs> This is a this is an incredible looking game that they've described it as a game of gray morals, questionable judgment and ideas like blind faith. It's going to feature hand-drawn graphics, m- importantly larger detailed uh, sprite animations similar to like Suikoden or Ragnarok, which is not like the classic SNES but more of the taller, more proportionate style. The plot of the game is very intriguing. Rather than, like they suggested in the uh, opening, rather than it being about a hero rising up and saving the entire world from destruction, it's a game that takes place after marauders entered from the north, 
from the Northern Sea, and people rose up to defeat them. Unfortunately, in the process, most of the able-bodied men left the villages, and the villages fell upon famine. So now we've got the six main characters with all their various loyalties being torn by different groups of influence. Mm -hmm. It's basically, it's culminating into sort of, it's a story of betrayal and politics, the kind of thing you would expect to see in Game of Thrones, for example. Mm -hmm. It's going to be released in three episodes and take place over three decades. And that's something that really I keyed in on. The idea that uh, you're going to be saddled with difficult choices. And not only are they going to be difficult choices, but you're going to have to see how they play out over the course of 30 years. Yeah. Incredible stuff. This is the kind of stuff that you only see from a game like The Witcher 2, where an entire chapter of the game is different based on what you've decided to do. And you know what? It's looking really hopeful. They had a Kickstarter last July that fell a little flat. They didn't manage to uh, make it that time, but they came back with a much better product. With incredible looking art. Yes. And if you look down there, they show what their art lo- used to look like versus that's, what it looks like now. That's what I was going to say is and, I, uh, the art looks incredible. Yeah. It's all hand drawn. I think they said they use water painting for the uh, backgrounds. And you can really tell it doesn't look... It's not tile based like a lot of games are. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the goal that they're asking for is 30000 uh, New Zealand dollars. Currently, they are just short of 24,000 with 24 days to go. So, uh they're actually almost at 25. Oh, just a right few now. hours in my uh Yeah. predictions have changed. And right now they're in like the lull the lull period for a Kickstarter that first few days is huge. Yep. I'm guessing they're going to really blow past it. I would imagine so. I mean, a little over 5 grand left and 24 days left. So, I mean, honestly, this is this is most likely something that I will end up backing personally. Yeah. I it looks awesome. And if you read through the description, they make a lot of points of it's influenced by both Western and Eastern RPGs. And it kind of illustrates what we just heard about in our last segment about the false dichotomy yeah. between the two. So definitely check it out. If you like what you see, kickstart them, and hopefully we'll see an incredible new series come out of it. Absolutely. Uh, if you have any... I just want to kind of toss this in there. If you have any... Uh, like suggestions or if you are a, a you know a company that's on kickstarter or another one of these uh the like indiegogo or something that uh is looking to get a little bit of recognition please shoot us an email you know yep. frozen, frozen north podcast at gmail.com uh send us a facebook message facebook.com slash the frozen north twitter at fn podcast mm-hmm. um w- there's so many projects out there right now that don't get the recognition they deserve and they do, you know, fall flat or fail because, you know, nobody really knows anything about them. And if you've got the info, you've got the presentation for it, we would we would love to help you get your name out there. Absolutely. So we're always, we're always, I mean. I'm always scouring that website looking for cool projects. Yeah. He, if you've got something that we haven't talked about, shoot us an email and we will definitely take a look. Please, by all means. And uh, and the cool thing is, you know, we we always try to, get in touch with with people that are that are doing this stuff and you know maybe hear from them as well because honestly like every interview that mark's done these people are super nice super friendly yeah and are always willing to you know tell as much as they can about their game so i mean it's it yeah it's just cool so all right then moving right along we got our top five funniest games mark Woo! <laughs> Games that cracked us up, made us laugh. Let me just full screen that. Made us giggle. 
Brian, what's your number five? The Mass Effect trilogy, uh, the whole trilogy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not. I'm not really going to do that. Oh <laughs> man! <laughs> once, once was enough. Well, maybe sometime in the future, but <laughs> we have not driven this into the ground enough yet. <laughs> oh man! All right. Uh, Brian did actually give give us his list though, so we will be reading his top five here. Uh, so top five funniest games. Mark, what do you what what makes you laugh in a game? Um, a game with jokes. <laughs> I don't even. <laughs> okay, a game that doesn't take itself serious, uh, that doesn't push the levity of the situation on you too much. Those, that's a lot of big words for just saying a game that jokes around. Right, a game with jokes. <laughs> a game with jokes. It's, they, no, it's true. If they tell jokes, then I like it. Okay, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, no, I mean, I I really like uh, when when characters interact with each other, um, and like like the Tales series always cracks me up. What's funny is I don't yeah I don't have any Tales games on my list, but yeah. the Tales games are hysterical because the small little interactions they have uh, with each other. Um, like if you've played Tales of Zillia, uh, and I say the word bazongas, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about, and you're probably smiling right now, uh, just like I am. But uh, so. I mean, that's I, I really like just when people give each other crap, kind of like how we are on the yeah. show, you know. I, sure, I mean, yeah. that's what makes me laugh is just good chemistry. Exactly. So, not that we have that. I hate you guys, but uh, <laughs> all right. Why don't we get started? Um, I well, I'll start. What the heck? Since my number Man. five is something <laughs> that I can't believe I put on my list, but it did make me laugh. My number five is the Stanley Parable. I came around. I, I this game I did not like, as you can tell from our review. I was not a big fan of it. However, the narration, the writing, and the presentation the 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 guy, the narrator, the guy who did the voice was incredible. Absolutely hysterical. Just so condescending and sarcastic, and just I mean, for one, you should have heard Brian when we were playing. That's true. I was trying to play To the Moon the same time he was playing Stanley was playing Parable. DRS there for the third time. So you and I had these depressing games that we're trying to get into, and then Brian's just dying of laughter yeah. right next to us. Like, my game says, like, oh, yeah, well, he's on his deathbed, and we don't know how much longer he has to live, and then you just hear, Yes, just like that. So, I mean, it was... Play Stanley Parable for the humor alone. Yeah. You know, again, I've said this a million times Don't take advice from Brian before he played though. Oh, please don't. I've said it a million times. Don't play it for the, the rich gameplay experience. <laughs> say, I've said it a million times. Don't take advice from Brian. <laughs> no, that goes without saying. <laughs> Are you kidding? Uh, all right. So that's my number five, Stanley Parable. Mark, what's your number five? My number five is Borderlands 2. Uh, you played Borderlands 2 with us, right? I, Do you remember how funny it was? I did. And honestly, that, that was going to be on my list until I played South Park. South Park. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I, that would probably be on my list, too. Borderlands 2, it's a continuation of Borderlands, but I thought that the humor really ramped up in the second one. Yep. When you have Handsome Jack talking down to you all the time throughout the entire game. You've got Claptrap being completely inept all the time. You've got talking guns. <laughs> yep. And uh, Face McShooty. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, dude. I was done. Brian, Brian and I were playing that part together, and he goes, hey, do this quest right here. I'm like, uh... <laughs> Why? And I, I thought, I was like, oh crap, he's just going to make me die. Mm-hmm. So I did it, and he's like, shoot me in the face! And I'm like, what? what? <laughs> I did it, and I got it. It's a really, really funny game. So yeah, it was good stuff. Very cool. Good choice. 
So Mark's number five, Borderlands 2. Brian's number five, also Borderlands 2. Good choice. He did not give any like comments or anything, so his basically his his uh games are gonna get read in you should read them in your robot voice. My top five is Borderlands 2. <laughs> that wasn't my robot voice. I don't know what happened there. Oh my gosh. And I'm eating the microphone, so you're welcome. Thanks. Appreciate that. I look forward to it in editing. Uh all right, so number four. My number four is South Park, the Stick of Truth. Only number four. Yes, uh, for two reasons. One, I haven't finished it, and I like to finish a game before I really consider it. But I mean, the fact that it's on my list is testament to how funny it is. And two, honestly, it's only f- not only funny, but I would say a good a good chunk of it is funny only if you've like seen the show and you're a fan of the show. Right. If you're not a fan of the show or you've never even seen it, you're probably going to be like, what? What is that a reference to? There's a lot of stuff in there that just references the show. And, I mean, if you are a fan of the show, you'll you'll love it, and it's hysterical. And you know, I love the show. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I was just rolling. I was laughing so hard with some of the stuff that goes on there. Uh, like Al Gore. Oh, my gosh, dude. Is he in there? Absolutely hysterical. Awesome. Yeah. I just got done fighting Man Bear Pig today. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's just a... An extremely funny game. But, I mean, like, you know, me saying Man Bear Pig, you wouldn't understand unless you had seen the show. True. So, I mean, that's how that the whole, that's how most of the game is. Just a lot of a lot of references mm-hmm. to uh, to the show itself. Which is, which is fine, like I said, if you're a fan. So, that's my number four. South Park, The Stick of Truth. Brian's number four is the Sam and Max series. My number four is... <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything Portal. about it either. I know a little bit about it. It's... That's the one with the uh, the dog and the rabbit that are detectives. Oh, is that Sam and Max? Isn't it? I don't know. But is he including... <laughs> I don't know. Let's I'm not going to say anything. Just move on. Just make yeah. a fool of myself. Just move on. Uh, <laughs> so my number four is Portal. Solid choice. It is, it's, it's Portal. I mean, it's... I think for the same like reasons that Stanley Parable is funny. Yeah. You've got your... It's, kind of, it's got kind of a sour, perverse comedy to it. Mm-hmm. The way really bad things are happening, but they're just completely making light of it constantly. Absolutely. It's always undermining your uh, authority as a player. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. If you haven't, if you don't know why this game's funny, then you're not a gamer. <laughs> so, get on that. Get on that. On the portal. Uh, Alright. Number three. My number three is Earthbound. Woo! If you haven't played Earthbound... Chances are you won't unless you get a Wii U. <laughs> it's it's a great game. It's quirky. It's cute. It's funny, and it makes fun of itself and everything else. And just it's got such an amazing personality. I really really love it. Um, it's nice and short, and uh, anybody can get into it because there's something in there for everybody. So if you haven't played Earthbound, by all means, I know I've gushed about it on the show before. So go check it out. By all means, Earthbound, my number three funniest game. Brian's number three is Portal 2. My number three... Wait. <laughs> yeah. My number three is Magicka. Have you played Magicka? I own it, but I haven't played it. You've never played it? I haven't. Okay, so Magicka is this game where uh, you and three of your friends join into a server to play this sort of story-driven game as four mages who all speak in a like fake Icelandic language, Nordic, like a fake Nordic language, almost sound like the Swedish chef constantly. Okay. So herd of Florida Hana Hosa. <laughs> and then it has subtitles underneath that tell you what they're actually saying. Oh, no. And some of the fake words are just completely ridiculous. Oh jeez. So the the plot alone is already hilarious, but then there's the aspect of 
you have all these different elemental powers that you can shoot out yeah. in like in like a beam and a ball, whatever, and they all interact with other people's powers too. So if you shoot out uh, like a some ball of energy and they shoot out a ball of energy, they'll hit each other and then you'll both blow up and die. <laughs> okay. Wow. And then you have to hope one of your friends is alive to resurrect you. <laughs> and he might not feel like resurrecting you. So it's a game of constant mischief. It's it's really funny. Nice. Mark's number three, Magicka. Number two. My number two is Grand Theft Auto V. But why, JJ? All the Grand Theft Auto games are very similar. Why would you choose five? I'll tell you why. Trevor. Accurate. Trevor is hilarious. He is just a hick who is white trash, who loves to just, doesn't care about anything at all. Yeah. And he's just like, you know what, kill everybody, whatever. He's completely morally bankrupt. Absolutely. Except for when he's not. <laughs> <laughs> he is He is just so funny. And that, that he made me just want to keep playing that game, him yeah. alone. I mean, the game was great other than that, but I mean, him by himself, I still would have wanted to keep playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's my number two, Grand Theft Auto Five. Brian's number two is the Stanley Parable. My number two <laughs> is Portal Two. And now looking back, I probably wouldn't have put both portals on there. I would have, I should have put GTA Five on there. You think? I think that's what I should have done, but too late for that. Uh, portal Two. Take everything that was funny about the first Portal, t- completely twist it around. You have these expectations of what you think is going to happen, and then. This character Wheatley comes along. We'll we'll lump it in because mine mine is actually my number one is Portal Two as well. Oh. So yep. then I'll leave it at that until we get to your number one. Well, we're at my number one. Okay, That's, I figured we could talk about Go it together. On. <laughs> Go on then. Portal Portal Two is just I mean it's just a fantastic game. Wheatley is hysterical yeah. once once he comes into the picture, mm-hmm. and then I mean you've still got the same uh, the sarcastic computer from the first game, and I mean shoot even the the uh, everybody knows the ending song to Portal One. Yeah, you know, but. What what really made it shine for me and just the uh, hilariousness, other than the writing from Wheatley and stuff, was, have you played a multiplayer? I haven't. I I think I mentioned this. I played it with your brother. Yeah. We played it through, and we did it in like two days. The interaction between the two robots is hysterical. Just the things that they do to each other, and it is just hilarious, the stuff that happens. I'll have to play it. Yeah, definitely. You'll need to find somebody. Hey, Mark, want to play Portal hey, 2 sometime? Hey, hello. Hey, yes. you're a gamer. I'm a gamer. <laughs> uh, but yes, absolutely. That's my my number one and uh, Mark's number two, Portal 2. Brian's number one is Maniac Mansion 2, Day of the Tentacle. <laughs> my number one is the Stanley Parable. What do you know? Hey. Hey. Uh, I should just chip you right now, but I don't have a bag of chips. Not really, because that was what on my list, this? too. That was on my list. Come on. But it's not the funniest game ever. It is maybe the funniest game ever. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on how you feel next week. Absolutely. Or did you go look this list up online, too? I did not. Uh-huh. And it was not on the top of the list that I looked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So the why only... is it your number one? Narrator. <laughs> There's really not much else to say. You already said pretty That's much true. everything there is to say hilarious narrator that you can either defy or follow along with with great sardonic british humor yes absolutely i i love that like the uh i know i make fun of the the accents in xenoblade all the time because they sound like they're soccer fans yeah but uh the the british accent from this 
this one. He just sounds so intelligent and so sarcastic. I love it. And so fed up. I absolutely love it. It's fantastic. So uh, I think that's it. That's our top five. Top five funniest games. We, we just skyrocketed through that, huh? Yes. I guess it's with just the two of us. So Yeah, Brian's not here to rant <laughs> for an hour. All right, moving along. We got a bi- weekly question. Bi- weekly question. <laughs> so, this week we asked, okay, you know what? This is here. Here's here's my beef for the week. Even though I don't, I don't really do that that often. Send but, all your hate mail to JJ. No, we're still waiting on Brian's hate mail. Don't send me <laughs> mine. We we do these biweekly questions, and like I know I talked to you about this before, but like the ones we've had before were like you know. I thought, at least, somewhat thought-provoking. Yes. Like, this is like this. What do you feel about this aspect of it? And how does this change your mind about blah, blah, blah? And, like, you know, we get we get a couple of people that answer, like one or two. Yeah. And now we put on, what's the longest you've ever gamed in one sitting? Yes. And people <laughs> freaking flood. You know what? The dang JJ, thing. you know what I've learned since I've started working on this podcast with you? I haven't learned anything about video games. <laughs> what I've learned is that we live in the age of Twitter. And if you ask a question that they couldn't answer in 160 characters or less, they're not going to give a crap about it. But, but there's some people like, like, okay, so Dave on our Facebook page. Dave. Yeah. How's he, it going, Dave? When he, when he put, puts in responses, like he responds quite a bit. He's got some pretty awesome responses. That's true. Like he's he's put some paragraphs in there, and and it's sweet when he posts. But then you got people like Brian, <laughs> who don't like to post anything. All right, uh, let me amend my statement. People like to either have questions where they can just fire off a quick answer, or they want a divisive topic where we're going to get people's feelings hurt, and they're going to want to come back and argue over and over and just drive it to the ground. <laughs> So we need to be more divisive or more simple. All right. One all right. of the two. All right. We'll figure it out. Anyways, we did get a bunch of responses on this one. So we got, uh, wow. Jeez. <clears throat> Brian says that uh, back in the day in a tiny apartment I used to live in, my friends and brother and I tried a 72-hour long marathon of WoW when Burning Crusade came out. I think I made it about 40 hours before physically being unable to function. 40 hours of Who's that? Brian. Our Brian? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, go get him, Tiger. That's impressive. I'm surprised he hasn't done longer. <laughs> what do you mean, our Brian? You liked it, <laughs> oh, man. Really? Come on. You liked what are you it? Call me out. You call me out on the air. Come on. Where else am I going to call you? On? It's not as funny I figure, if I don't. I figure he would have played more than that because he's got his downstairs game and he just rips out his console when he's done with his downstairs game. His does that handheld. count as double time? If you are playing on your handheld and your console at the same time, I think that does count as double time. Oh, man. So he <laughs> Go, Brian. There you go, Brian. Yeah. Uh, uh, Zach says 12 hours of wow. Jeez, that's still a long time. Uh, another Zach says five days, five days nonstop. How do you do that? No sleeping? I Man, I don't know. Uh, Isaac, our buddy Isaac, says, Not any particular time period, but once I did put 30 hours on Xenoblade in 10 days. 30 hours in 10 days. That's that's a part-time job right there. That's true. Seth says, 24-hour lock-in LAN party. 24 hours. And uh, Dave says 14 hours. I remember I when I when I used to play Counter-Strike competitively, 
I went to a uh, a tournament like land party thing in uh, Austin, Texas, and it was three days long. I was a normal person. I would play for I mean, well, not normal, but I would play for like you know eight to ten hours, and then I'd go to sleep, and I would take eating breaks in between. The guy who sat next to me though, uh, I don't know his name, but his screen name was Citizen. Uh, anyway, Citizen Kane. Not that that's relevant or important, but. He never left that game room for the entire three days. He was in the same clothes the third day as he was the first day. That's commitment, Never man. moved from his spot. And I was That's just like, do it. dang. I, I yeah, want to be yeah, just like him. Zach on here says five days nonstop. That's crazy. That is crazy. Still, that's a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I would have to at least shower, you know? Yeah. <laughs> what about you? What's the longest you've ever? Uh, I Probably my longest would have been some LAN party with you and my brother. Remember when we played uh, Final Fantasy IX? We tried to marathon through it. How long did we oh, do yeah. that? Well, I smoked you guys. Well, yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, that was probably... It really wasn't that long. It was probably about seven, eight hours. Okay, that's not a good example then. <laughs> I know there, there's times when John's had us come over at like 8 a.m. and we stay till 10 p.m. Well, yeah, like when we did uh, Left 4 Dead. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's... 12 hours, maybe? 14 yeah. hours? I think that's probably average. But you got to throw in a little uh, food time. So 12 hours. Yeah. That makes sense. I think the longest I have would be probably a tie. Um, I know for one, me, Brian, and two of our other friends did a StarCraft II land party. Yeah. And we started at noon. and like We got there at 11, but we set up and we started playing at noon and got done at 2 in the morning, which is about 14 hours. And I have done 14 hours on Final Fantasy XI before. And I guarantee you 10 of that was just standing around looking for a freaking mm-hmm. party. So, yeah. Oh, the old days of that game were brutal trying to level up. Uh, so, yeah. I, I would say about 14 hours for yeah. me, probably. That's like a... I feel like 12 to 14 hours is the... That's the average longest time. <laughs> right. That's that's like the golden I could see number that. for yeah. a marathon. I agree. For sure. All right, so next episode. I want some responses, people. I want some responses here. Or hate mail. Or, well, you send hate mail either way. Uh, to Brian, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> next episode, we want to know, what is your opinion on Let's Play videos? Do you like oh, them? Man, do I you can't, not like them? I can't wait for this. I, I know, me too. <laughs> uh, do you like actually sit there and watch them? Do you think they're stupid? Whatever. Just tell us what one way or the other, what's your opinion on them? And uh, for all of you who have just been struggling through listening to us without Brian and really just want Brian back, you're in luck. Next episode. He will be back. He will be back. And we'll be reading all the hate mail that we made up for him. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Next episode, we will also be talking about our top five things that we miss from gaming. That's a good list. That's going to be awesome because I've got some stuff that I miss. Brian's just going to piss us off with this one. I can feel it. Brian's going to be like, uh, Mass Effect. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) he's gonna make his top five list of things he doesn't miss (laughs) i don't miss world maps i don't miss random battles no oh man all right well mark you got anything else my name's mark that's that's what you have that's all you got left you put me on the spot man i asked you whip you had anything else no i i I don't was literally an open question Um, (laughs) did we do our thing at the beginning what thing go to ad effing podcast go to Facebook.com slash The Frozen North? <laughs> yes, we did. Facebook.com slash Frozen North at FN Podcast. 
Please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. We need some more Matt. reviews on there. We could use some. We could use some reviews. Good stuff. Well, that's all I got. Mark, anything else? That was all I had. All right then. Thanks for listening, everybody. My name is JJ. Uh, I'm uh, Mark. <laughs> Keep on gaming. This song was made available via the Creative Commons Attribution License. The song, Somewhere in the Stars, was written and produced by SoundCloud user underscore TWC.